Big Fluff. Five minutes, guys. Why am I Japanese? Remember when you said, please tell me when I'm racist? Yeah. It's it, one of those things. One of those Hobo Radio, the official podcast of HoboTrashCan.com. You can share your thoughts on the show anytime by emailing Joel at Murphy's Law at HoboTrashCan.com. Hi, this is Matt Gorley. You're listening to Hobo Radio. And uh, I'm not a hobo, but I would live the hobo lifestyle if given half a chance. And now, your host miniature dog enthusiast, Joel Murphy. Hello again, I'm Joel Murphy, this is Hobo Radio, and today I have something really cool for you, interviews with three of the stars of the new film, Don't Think Twice. Uh, We have writer, director, star, Mike Birbiglia, uh, also Keegan-Michael Key, who you know from Key and Peele. Uh, and Kate Micucci, one half of Garfunkel and Oates. Uh, th- like I said, they're all in this new film, and I was given a chance to speak to all of them. Uh, it-, it was actually a very cool experience. Uh, it was a little bit different. Those of you who have listened before, uh, who have heard other interviews, normally, uh, you know, it's one on one, whether it's a-, a phone interview or in person, it's normally me just speaking to a person. This was a press luncheon. So it was a little bit different. Uh, It wasn't one-on-one. There was a table full of us uh, reporters all taking turns asking questions. Uh, So you'll hear other voices besides mine, obviously. Uh, But I I thought it would be cool for all of you just to hear the whole thing. It'll be like you were there. You won't get to eat the food or drink the the free drinks that we got. But you'll, you'll get to hear the interviews and kind of experience it as I experienced it. And, uh, you know, later this week, I'll have a print version of all of this. I'll I'll have more of an in-depth article talking about the movie more, talking about the experience. Uh, But I just wanted to get this out there. I wanted to let you all hear it. The the movie premiered last Friday in New York. Uh, It's coming out in L.A. this Friday and then more cities as it goes along. And uh, it, it's a lovely film. Like I said, I, I will get more in depth about it specifically, but I, I loved it and I found it really moving. And uh, I, I actually have a very strange relationship with this movie and the way that my life has been paralleling it. Last September, I actually... Uh, I'm a fan of Mike Rabiglia. I, you know, subscribe to his newsletter. Like I get updates from him and I got this email that said he was looking for extras for this film that he was making, uh, in New York. And I happened to have the day available that, that he wanted people to come up. I thought it would be a cool experience. So I drove to New York and I was an extra in this film that would go on to become don't think twice. And I sat in the audience and I watched them improvise a scene. It's actually, if you see the movie, it's the first scene 
in the movie. I was there. And you'll know that I was there because when you watch it, uh, much to my delight to see, you will see my face on screen. They actually cut to a crowd shot and there is a bizarrely close up shot of my face. And then it, you know, the camera pans down and you can see more people in the crowd. But I am very clearly in this movie, which in and of itself was delightful to see. You know, I've done some other background work stuff and it's always fun. And this was the most clearly that is me. That is my face up on the screen. And were that it, you know, that was a fun experience. Like it was cool to be on the set. It was cool to see them because they actually they filmed a scene. So the movie is about a group of improvisers and they were filming a scene that, you know, was their troupe, the commune doing improv. But uh, it actually, you know, the part that they did at first, the part that's in the movie was scripted. But what they did after that, after they shot it enough and they got the the shots that they needed, then they actually did have them do improv in front of us. And they filmed that as well. And some of the the improvised scenes from some of the shots ended up in the movie. That was obviously a really cool experience. It was a fun uh, day. You know, I, I do improv. It was cool to, to be on the set and just to be around that energy. Uh, but since I did that, uh, as those of you who follow the site know, you know, I've made some decisions in my life. I was living in Baltimore. I was doing improv for the past four years with the Baltimore Improv Group. And, you know, decide, my fiance and I decided to move to Los Angeles to pursue our dreams and, and to sort of, you know, have this new chapter in our lives. And it was actually, you know, I, I was very excited to see the movie because I knew it was about improv and I, I wanted to see it. And I, I just like Mike Birbiglia's stuff and I thought it would be an interesting movie. I really liked the cast. And um, they actually ended up coming to D.C., uh, to do one of the screenings, uh, they've been, you know, they went around the country doing a tour of different, uh, you know, places where they have improv scenes. They, you know, came out and did a Q&A and showed the movie and they did one in D.C. And it turned out that the D.C. screening was two days after Molly and I left uh, to head out to L.A. So we actually it it broke my heart. My friend Andy had an extra ticket, you know, a guy who I do improv with invited me to go to the screening with them and I couldn't go because it was after we left. And so I didn't get a chance to see this movie. And then, you know, we came out here now we're in LA uh, and I, I got invited to a screening and then to this, uh, you know, Q and a, and so watching the film, it turns out to be this movie about, the end of an improv troupe. It's actually their group, the commune. Uh, it's, you know, very much about it coming to an end and uh, just the way they deal with that and, and talks a lot about the beauty of improv and the idea that it's not meant to last. And it is this just moment in time, which makes it a very specific and very cool art form in that, you know, when you're seeing something that it's just a moment that no one else will ever see again. And it sort of takes that theme of the improv and takes it to the troupe and that experience. And just watching it, you know, having when I was an extra, I was still part of an improv troupe. I was still part of the Baltimore Improv Group. I was still part of this troupe remote possibilities. And then to see it now here in L.A., uh, when bizarrely back in Baltimore, uh, the Baltimore Improv Festival is actually happening. So a lot of my friends are doing improv right now. My old troupe performed improv 
while, you know, I was doing the screening and, and doing this Q&A. So for me, it was this very specific, you know, just exact right moment in time to see this movie. And I, I do have to say that they they got all of the beats right. The improv is right. The uh, the characters, I, I know these people. I've met these people. I've done improv with these people. Uh, the the group dynamic, all of it is so spot on, and it it really did. I I got choked up watching it. Uh, having you know just said goodbye to this really beautiful chapter of my life. Uh, but even if you haven't had that experience, even if you you haven't moved across the country, uh, it's still I think the themes on a broader level are something that's going to resonate of anyone who you know has pursued a passion and this idea of what is success and how do you measure success and what are the importance of doing projects like this? And uh, it, it's really a great film and I, I couldn't recommend it enough. And these interviews were very cool. It was great to get to talk to members of the cast. It obviously was great to, to get inside Mike Birbiglia's head a little bit. And uh, you know, you'll, you'll hear me on there asking questions. Like I said, you'll hear a bunch of other people on there. I think you really will enjoy it. And if you get a chance, check out this film. Seriously, I, I, I can't recommend it enough. It, it's a really lovely movie, and I think you all will get something really wonderful out of it. But without further ado, here are my interviews with Mike Brabiglia, Kate Micucci, and Keegan-Michael Key. Why everybody still setting up talking about this movie for John and Okay, gotcha. So um, the movie's called Don't Think Twice. It is directed and written by Mike Birbiglia, uh, the very talented Mike Birbiglia. And it's a, it's a movie about when you get to a certain point in your life, when do you realize that maybe some of the dreams that you have set up for yourself or the story that you've told yourself about the way your life was going to go, when, it's, when it goes in a different direction, what does that mean? And, and, and how are you going to navigate the rest of your existence? Because that, and, and, and we're all, kind of, all the characters are kind of in their 30s, their mid-30s, mid because that's usually when it happens. We kind of get to this place where we start to think, uh-oh, it hasn't happened yet. I've been doing this for 10 years, 15 years. What do I... Is there something, you know, there's a couple ways of looking at it. Is there something else I want to do? <laughs> is there, was there ever another dream or hobby that excited me or get, uh, had passion for? And is it time for me to do that? Or should I keep on going and be stick to and try to see if this works out for me? But it also is about defining what success means to you. Are, if you're happy and fulfilled, is that enough to have success? Or you'll go, no, no, I'm not going to be happy and fulfilled unless I achieve X or unless I achieve Y. And in this particular film, this film is set in the world of improv, and I, I, part of my career has been in the, in the improv world. And for us, the Olympics or the major leagues is Saturday Night Live. And this show, this film has a television show that is a Saturday Night Live type of program called Weekend Live. So, so very different. Um, and uh, uh, which Mike did on purpose with a very heavy wink. And so all the characters at the beginning of the film go, this is what we want. And all of a sudden there's this opportunity for them to get on this show, but it only happens for one of them. And then the interesting thing is, once that trigger gets pulled, the rest of them have to, and the rest of them have to go, okay, so I didn't get it, now what do I do? I'm being told my dream that I've had for this amount of time is not gonna come true, now what do I do? Now where do I go? Now where do I focus my energy? 
and that's that's the theme. Give me the themes of the movie as opposed to the plot of the movie. But uh, yeah, that the that's kind of the, that's kind of the 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 general gist. So when you do improv, like historically and in this film, I know a couple of scenes were actually improv. Are you ever self conscious to get in a room full of people, or is it just something that you get like a thick skin and you're just like? Beyond that. Yeah, it's it's it for me. It's I'm 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 kind of beyond that. It's second nature now. I've been improvising for 20 years. I've been an act. Uh, I've been an actor for 28 years, professional actor. So being in front of people is like breathing, or being like a fish and being in water. The the interesting thing is the 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 more ch the bigger challenge is that there's a camera running around that gets right in front of your face in the middle of you acting a scene that you're improvising. <laughs> so so there's a, there's a steady cam roaming around because we wanted to have this seventh member of the group on stage with us to give you guys a sense of what it actually feels like to be improvising on stage with other people. Um, so yeah. Let's say you nailed like something really great, but they wanted to get another angle. Or something would they would they ask? We would to we would re-improvise, oh. which of course <laughs> now also mostly surprisingly it's a very very scripted film for a film about improvisation. More than anything, most of the improv shows that you're witnessing in the film are heavily scripted because lots of important plot points are being made in the scenes so we can't improvise but then what Mike would do is Mike Birbiglia would have us improvise for like 10 or 15 minutes then we'd start shooting the scene and then throughout the movie there's little moments of improv sprinkled into those those improv shows talk about coming to that crossroads of deciding like are you going to keep going with this or are you going to veer off into a different career path did you ever face that point and like what would have you been in an alternate kind of universe well if i if i had if i had gone in a different direction and my parents had not encouraged me to do what i wanted to do i would probably be either a veterinarian or a psychologist those are other or, or i'd be in academia i might have studied theater and then just got into theater as an uh, as an academic I, I would have written papers that no one would have read and uh and then, then just taught classes but but uh, I'm very fortunate because I, I've never cared about being poor or having money. Like in my life, I always had just enough money to, to do what I want, just enough money to have beer and just enough money to have food. And just, so being in the theater is the perfect job. If you like money, don't go into acting. <laughs> um, um, Yes. And by the way, I'm a professor, so I really appreciate what you just said My friend Tammy Sager and I, who plays Lindsay in the movie, I've known her for 15 years. She's one of my heroes. She's actually one of my improv heroes. And the very first time I ever improvised with her, I think when I knew she was coming to Detroit to visit, and, I, and she was going to do the set, the improv set with us, that might have been as exciting as hearing that Key and Peele got picked up. That's how, that's, because you're at a different time in your life. You're at this time in your life when there's nothing but burgeoning hope. And so you have heroes that are of a different ilk. I mean, we all, we all think, oh, your hero is supposed to be Marlon Brando. Your hero is supposed to be Robert De Niro. And they were my heroes. But when I started improvising, these people became my heroes. And to be able to work with them was amazing. It was just an amazing, uh, uh, an amazing experience. All the rest of the people I had not known. But we had a rehearsal process prior 
to shooting for two and a half weeks. And in that process, we all became friends, truly became friends. We took improv workshops together so that we, be, we would become a cohesive group. And I think, to, Mike, to Mike's credit, it, it, it worked. It really did. I was, by the way, also a professor. I was a professor. I did teach acting and improvisation. This movie also applies to life. Talk about that. As a non-actor, I like the life aspect. Yeah, I was just saying that I think it, 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 it applies to everybody. It applies to professors. It applies to undertakers. I mean, if you, I mean it, it applies to middle management. It applies to everyone because the worst thing in the world, no matter what your job is, is when you see your dream come true for another person. That's that you can just be a human and have that experience. And I think that 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 is uh, one of the one of the most salient themes and one of the most germane themes in the film. Yeah, you're uh, thank you. Um, I'm a teacher as well. So yeah. Thank you, um, how much did you pull from your own experience? From which experience? Yeah. Sorry, from your own experience doing improv. How much did like it's very interesting. Michael wrote the script and then we had a Skype session. That's the first time we ever met. And we were supposed to talk for 15 minutes and we talked for two hours. And then to the point where his mother, uh, his mother, his wife leaned out. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. I haven't had, it's been, it's been three months and I haven't had a single Freudian slip yet. Um, uh, his wife leaned over out of the, another room and she said, who are you talking to? Why are you getting so excited? And, and I said to him, I said, we, you have written a movie about my life and we've never met. I don't understand what's happening here. But he's had enough experience in that world that, that it's drawing on almost all of my professional experience. Um, the only difference is that in the movie, Jack gets a sense of the jealousy from his friends and his castmates and, and, and them asking for him to help pull them up. And I haven't experienced that as much in my real life. Uh, I guess I should say, thank God. Yeah, it's 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 a tough place to be. Yeah, yes, sir. That was actually kind of what I was going to ask him. Uh, was so? Is there been? You actually just answered it. I was seriously going to ask you if you had experienced that in your own life of making it on, like when he makes it on Saturday Night Live, yeah. and then then wanting to present writing packets. Not at that juncture in my life. Everybody was very lovely to my face. Um, <laughs> so. Uh, you know, um, um, so I have no, I've not had that same painful experience that he's had where just out of the gate, I mean, out of the gate, can you get us on the show? I mean, we could be writers on the show. I, I didn't have to experience that. And it's, um, it was a, a fun thing to play in the, in the midst of the tension of the piece. But uh, no, no, I didn't. Yeah. Last question. Last question. So the film deals with like a lot of desperation and stuff. I'm wondering what kind of advice you would give to a struggling artist who's in that kind of boat, where they're seeing their friends make it, they feel like maybe this is a crossroads for them, they should give up. It's once again, it goes back to, because I believe this is the, the meditation and the exercise of the movie is, what does make it mean? What does make it mean? Because if I had gone two more years at the university, or at the, at two more years at the Second City in Detroit, and they decided that I wanted to teach at the University of Detroit for the rest of my life, and I wrote some papers and I was satisfied with them, then that would have been my life, and I would have been perfectly satisfied. If I'd gone to Chicago and stayed there, what does, it, what does success mean to you? Like, what is your brass ring? Is raising children who become amazing members of society, is that your brass ring? Great. If, um, if being the best manager, and I'm not, this is not facetious, I'm not making a joke. If being the best manager at McDonald's is your brass ring, you're allowed to let that be your brass ring. Somebody else, somebody else who says, well, why would you want to do that? That's their story. Let them have their story. You, I, I would tell anybody, first of all, get with a group, 
be with a community. Because, it le because we need, we're humans and we're such social creatures, we need each other. So be with a group, adopt yourself into a group and have a community. And then really take the time to figure out in your mind, what does it mean to be fulfilled? And then maybe you'll tell yourself a new story that is, because if you know what you want to be fulfilled in your heart, then you don't have to achieve a certain thing. You know, if you act, you're an actor. You don't have to make money. If you write, you're a writer. If you dance, you're a dancer. I, I believe that to be true. I really do believe that to be true. So my thing is just pursue the dream, but then be, be ever curious that there could be other dreams that might fulfill you beyond your wildest imaginations. Or imaginings, I should say. So, yeah. Yeah, thank you. All right, that's you. So we're just all, is it possible to request a nice tea? Of is course. that am I being a diva? No, you may not. Yeah. Just kidding. Nice kidding. No. Um, <laughs> do you want some wine? <laughs> no, I'm actually allergic, believe it or not. Oh, that's terrible. I know. I was just in Italy for a month. It was oh, like the worst. Oh, nice. Everyone would laugh at me because we'd get to the restaurant and be like, excuse me, do you have vodka? Like, you know, <laughs> like it's not really. That's just terrible. I know, it's a real bummer. I mean, not that, you know, it's not a bummer to be in Italy, but. <laughs> So not get to enjoy, you know. Yeah, exactly. Adventures. So you're pretty successful yourself. Uh, so how do you tap into this whole struggling artist uh, part of the story and the character? Um, well, I think for me, you're, you're, you're already there, you know. That's so nice of you to say. I kind of feel like I still don't know that. Maybe for my, I mean, I definitely can look at my, you know, years in the past and go, okay, this this year's better than last year. And it's always just like a slight. For me, it's always just been a slight. A little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. So um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of been great to to have that rather than like one thing that goes Joom! you know for some people that's what happens for me it has just been a slight every year a little better so um so yeah i, I guess for me i still feel like i'm just working toward something you know i feel, feel for me too like i just i like to make things and i like to share them and i've always done that since i was little and so it's just really nice to be able to um like with with the movie my character hold on sorry so wait, wait are we all is this like are we all in this together oh no no she's gonna be moving oh, over okay. okay gotcha all right cool i wasn't i wasn't sure if i was supposed to like do this all right cool cool you can all enjoy your lunch yeah okay yeah yeah um that's what i was wondering um so what was the question? No. <laughs> oh, oh well, yeah, but I, it's very easy for me to, you know, I still think I think we all, a lot of performers always have that feeling of oh, this could end, this could be, this might not always be what it is right now. There, you know, so I just think, you know, this group in the movie is not far off from what I've experienced in my life, and um, I was not in an improv group, but I'm in an, in a comedy duo and you know, that person becomes your family and you tour the country and, you know, and you have each other and, and the commune has each other. And so, um, so it was very si similar in that way. Thank you. So you. You two have gone off to do different projects. Yeah. So, but you're still... We'll do stuff together. You just kind of yeah. We actually just played thing. Vegas on Saturday, and um, that was our first show in quite a while because it's kind of been really cool to you know. It's sort of how it wasn't an intentional thing. Like okay, now we're gonna do separate things. It just sort of happened at the same time that I went off and did a bunch of movies, and Ricky went off to showrun and create another period, um, which is they're gonna start their third season coming up. So so yeah, I mean I'm so lucky that we're both really 
happily busy doing our own things, and yet it's so so nice. It actually makes me appreciate it even more when we come together. Just over the weekend, we were practicing our songs, and we were like making this medley of songs together, going, "Oh gosh, this is so much fun!" Because you know you have a break from it, and you realize how lucky you are to have each other. Yeah. Um, will you be back on another period? Uh, I believe I'm in next week's episode, oh, I've been told. So yes, <laughs> I think it airs next week, yeah. Or no, that would be this week. Wednesday. Wednesday. Oh, <laughs> yeah. oh thank you. The, the characters in the film have very, obviously, very specific uh, you know, characteristics, personalities, and I was just curious, especially just from your own character, how much of it was on the page versus what you brought yourself? You know, uh, for my character, well, the, the script was so beautiful. Like, I read it, and I cried, and I also could relate to it. And so I think the thing about the movie is I feel like everyone can relate to it in some way. You know, even if you're not a creative person, whatever you do, and whatever your passion is, you can kind of relay it into you know into this movie. But um, but yeah, so I read the script and it, I I immediately was like, oh, this is I, I love this. I, I I think I said to Mike, I can't wait to see this movie. Like even if I'm not in it, I can't wait to see it. Um, but he my character of Allison originally was a, a writer, and he thought he had seen my Mike had seen my cartoons, and um, I just put a I'm a cartoonist. I just put them online, and I've actually had three three art shows in the past year, which is sort of crazy. I think we might take a break for a second, <laughs> maybe in a year. But um, but he said, would, would it be cool if we make this character a cartoonist? What do you think? And I was like, yeah, that's great. I was so excited. So um, yeah, that was a kind of neat thing to be able to bring to the character. Can you talk a little bit about your character's relationship with Chris Gethard's character? Because I just thought it was a little ambiguous. Obviously, you're writing partners, and it's not really clarified if there's more to it than that, but just how you saw yeah, I think um, Chris's character of Bill and myself, I feel like we're kind of sort of at the same, maybe we're about the same level in as far as like where we fit into the group. Um, and I think we're maybe comfortable with each other because, I mean, we're all comfortable with each other in the movie. We're, we're all family in some way, but um, I think we both see a bit of each other, you know, like in our, ourselves and the other characters. So yeah, I think, I think we both probably think, okay, this is a safe person to pair up with. We're kind of at the same speed, you know? Um, that's That was my take, takeaway from it. But in real life, we realized my last name is, well, my last name is Mikuchi, and Chris's name is Get Gethard, but Get Hard. So we were like, we should really do a show in real life called Get Hard and Mikuchi. <laughs> and I, I'm really hopeful that's going to happen. I'm, I'm like, I'm brainstorming on what the, what's the angle, but I really want to do some live show, you know, in Brooklyn or something. Uh, we have to. We, the name just says, like, we've got to do this. So, yeah, that's the hope. Do you know that you've made it? Oh, gosh. I mean, <laughs> there are little things. Like, I... I I love raspberries, and it's a, that's a more expensive fruit, and I was always like, you know, I'd go to get apples because I could afford apples, and I remember the day that I bought raspberries, and I didn't look at the price, and I thought, oh my god, I've made it, you know? Um, I think also, like, the moment you stop crying about rent and trying to figure out how, I mean, I can remember, I had so many weird odd jobs, and, you know, that, that moment where you just kind of turn the corner, and you're like, oh, hey, I can pay my rent, rent, and I've like the, like the day I paid off my student loans was a big one. I don't know that it's like actually like making it like, you know, it's not like walking down the street and, you know, everyone like knowing what you do. Like that's not, for me, that's not that important. I feel like it's just about, you know, putting your stuff out there and being able to pay the rent while doing it, you know? Um, do you have any uh, like animators who inspire you? Because you said you're an Oh, a cartoonist and things? Well, I'm such, such a fan of Charles Schultz and Peanuts. I just like, 
it's funny because I always loved it since I was a little kid and now as I'm older when I look back on those cartoons and I read them I'm like oh I think I didn't even you connect with this underdog you know like that that character really resonates I think with so many people and uh, I think Charlie Brown has influenced me in ways I didn't even realize until you know more you know recently I was rereading some going oh wow like I get Charlie Brown you know <laughs> Really? Oh yeah, Snoopy's great. I, yeah. uh, Ira Glass and I, we were, we did a, we, I was a, a birthday party clown for one week back in <laughs> 2002, and uh, Ira was a magician, like a party, like birthday party magician when he was a kid. So um, the other day we did a balloon off at one of the Q and A's in New York, and um, I brought my best, like just dog. I, I don't know how to make fancy things. I don't remember, but he makes an amazing Snoopy, oh, and so he gave me a balloon lesson on how to make Snoopy. It was pretty great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Keegan told us that uh, for a movie about improv, this is pretty scripted, you know, down to the, the details. I mean, yeah. how, how's that for you? I mean, I, I thought that you get some uh, creative liberties to work with your character somehow or does Mike say okay stick with this one Mike is a really great director like I he he gave us room to he wanted us to bring whatever we could to the part but the script is also so amazing and so so well written that you also just want to honor what he did at the same time but it was not a place where you know like some sets you feel like the pressure to say the line exactly word for word and um, this was not the case like you know it was you, it was. It felt very natural, and he he never. It was never like you know some crazy like. And here we go, Hefshin. Like it just all really like was a nice flow to to the whole. Uh, you know when we were shooting, it never felt like there was a direct like we need to do this now. I mean, you feel the pressure of time, of course, because you know it's an independent movie and you have so many you know hours to get your day. But uh, but it was never. It never was like oh you need to say this line the way it is written. And there within that there is some really amazing improvs that happen. You know, throughout, but it's still, you know, it, uh, also some of the improv scenes are scripted and some of them are improvisation. But, uh, but yeah, it, there was like, it wasn't like a do this, you know? <laughs> Did you? Did you name some of your fellow cast members beforehand? Because there's such a feeling of camaraderie. That is, in the, you know, among the cast, it's, it's very believable that you've known each other for. 11 years or whatever. I feel like it's so, it was such a bit of luck for all of us that we, I, I mean, not to sound all mushy, but I really fell in love with everyone really quickly. I think we all did. Like, uh, we were able to, we had two weeks to rehearse and get to know each other, and Mike took us bowling, and we'd go out to eat, and um, I, you know, I knew everyone a little bit. Like, I, you know, either being, you know, social things, or, um, you know, I, I knew Keegan from doing a couple like uh, things at the improv and like you know like uh, I knew Mike from just I we almost opened for him and then like we kind of kept in touch a little bit like everybody was just a little and then Tammy I saw do improv at a Halloween party in like 2007 and I was like oh, I want to know this person and so like there's so we all knew each other a little bit and then we got together and it just clicked and that you know you can't plan for you really that that was just a really lucky thing that we all we all really just it felt after two weeks of hanging out, it felt like we had been together so much longer, thankfully. You're such a multi-talented artist, actress, comedian, musician. Um, oh, thank you. Is there someone that you think sparked that for you as a kid? you have any role model or one thing that really was like, oh my gosh, I want to be in the artistic, creative world? I, you know, I just was really lucky to grow up in a house. Like, we didn't have a lot of money at all, but it was, but... 
but the arts were the like that was the thing. My my mom would take us to plays, and I started taking piano lessons when I was four, and um, and going to trips to the art store were like a big deal and my mom would let me pick out one thing you know so like and it was like that was I was always just given the tools to make things and I always was just a I think I just kind of was a person that always made things and I was always I've always been a quick like want to share things right away like quick to share so I mean for good or bad you know like I still kind of like will just throw things up or make a song and play it that night and like See if it works or not, you know. Right. So I think those things that I did when I was little have really carried into my my grown up life. Not that I feel like a grown up, even though I'm in my <laughs> mid thirties. <laughs> did you pull any inspiration from being in the comedy world, like for your character over you? Um, you know, and you have a strong your own experiences. Yeah, I mean, I like I wasn't in a group, but just growing up, growing you know up with that alternative comedy scene. I, Ricky, my comedy partner, and I kind of got into that scene right. At an amazing time where like UCB was really taking off, and we we started doing uh, at the time it was called Comedy Death Ray, and we were thrown in with these people that we you know admired for so long, and um, it was it was really kind of cool to become part of that alternative community. And we're not stand-ups, you know. We're, we've always been like we're musical comedy, so it's like a little bit off to the side. But um, but we do stand-up shows, you know. We are on those bills, and so um, yeah. I mean, I was able to kind of take a lot of just like understanding what it's like to be backstage and, and having that like the pre-show rituals and um, and even though like the comics that we came up with aren't necessarily like it's not like the commune where you're living together and feeling like a family it sort of does feel like a family in a way you know or like at least like cousins you know <laughs> um, where and yeah so I mean I was able to take you know my knowledge of just what it's like to be in the, in the comedy community and, and put that into the movie. Mm -hmm. I don't My sister know. actually is an improv. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Uh, here in LA? Or? Uh, UCB? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, nice. I mean, that's a crazy thing. UCB, yeah. it's, it's all huge now. everywhere. Yeah. Like, it's even just this theater where here down the street, it's open yeah. for, I think, a year and a half or two yeah, years, and it's like they're popping yeah. up everywhere, and it's really awesome. Because I, I remember, like, thinking with improv, you, you don't have to be. You don't have to want to be an actor or a comedian to take the classes. Yeah. Anyone can do them, and I think it helps in any walk of life, you know. But an actor? Um, yeah, I've always wanted to. I don't know. Like it's a sort of something that I've always felt passionate about, and was in plays. And my brother and I would make movies in the backyard, and most of them can never be seen ever again because <laughs> they're just so embarrassing. But. Um, but yeah, I I think it was just something that, like, there wasn't a question in my mind. I was shy about telling people. I moved out to L.A. Um, for college, and I didn't tell people that I wanted to be an actress because it feels like a very strange goal, you know? It, it's, a, it's like, sure, who doesn't? So, you know, like, it's, it seems like a funny thing to say, or at least I felt that way. So I didn't tell people. I just sort of started to do it, and then I remember... I was on a few commercials, and my mom was like, so are you like, trying to be an actress now? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> so I was really shy. I, that's a funny thing, too. I was a very shy kid. For, for someone who was in the plays and, you know, out there in some way, I was still super shy, you know. You don't strike me as shy at all. <laughs> yeah, I, I turned a corner at, like, 21. I don't know what happened. <laughs> so what would your advice be for somebody who's trying to come into this uh, business and profit whatsoever? You know, knowing that it's going to be pretty difficult uh, up ahead, you know, that, uh, your dream might not be, there might be a chance that it might not be accomplished, you know? Yeah, well, I think, I mean, I, 
I think it's just about following your gut and doing what makes you happy, you know, and and making sure that like just keeping that in check. And sometimes it's really difficult, especially when people all around you are like going for the same goal. It's just like knowing that you alone are the only person who can do the thing you're going to do. So like, um, you know, I always say stay in your own lane and, and uh, also make your own content. I feel like now more than ever you have you know, even when I first started, like YouTube was just starting when um, when I started my com comedy band, and you know that was a brand new platform. But now it's like you can easily make things and film them on your phone and and get them out there. And, and so, like, yeah, making your own content is a way to you know keep things going when you know while you're waiting for the other jobs to come in, and it can help really help keep you sane. <laughs> so, and also I think like just finding the other things that aren't at all related to to acting just like if it's like going to the beach I know this sounds cheesy but if, if going to the beach makes you happy make sure you do it because it's like you need especially in LA you need a you know time to clear your head so yeah yeah well like I said I was really shy and so I would be in all the musicals but I was like so happy to just be in the chorus and then I would lip sync because I didn't think I could really sing so I like that really says a lot about my, where I was at but I I was happy to be on the stage but just like lip syncing to Oklahoma in the background um, but by the time I was in I was it I guess I I did West Side Story, and I actually had like lines, and that was exciting. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I did all the all the musicals, like all the standards: Oliver, South Pacific, King and I, like you know, just the the good Rogers and Hammerstein. Um, I just think that this movie is really beautiful, and it tells a story that I think everyone can relate to. Not just even if you don't know anything about improv. It, I think it's a movie that's universal, you know, like the, the emotions of going for, you know, going for your dream. It's it's something that everyone can relate to. And yeah, I think I think uh, people seem to really be responding to it. New York last weekend was uh, incredible. And so, yeah, I, I hope people find it here in L.A. just as, as exciting. So thank you. Yeah, I it's the same feeling I had when I first read the script. I have when I watch the movie and I think that that says so much about Mike and what a great storyteller he is because he really was able to you know follow it through and and make something that feels feels good you know even when it doesn't it feels good you know because it, it is a gut punch you know it's so relatable like the line about in your 20s you have hope but then by the time you're in your 30s you feel like it's dumb hope that's yeah. so relatable <laughs> well that's the thing about Los Angeles is we all put off our our being grown up I like I have friends and who are my age and you know, being in your mid-thirties and like, yeah, like, like getting married, you're like, what? That's crazy. Or like, you're going to have a kid. Are you nuts? And then I'm like, oh wait, everybody else is already on their second or third marriage and their kids are in high school. But like here we just kind of, yeah. we put off growing up as long as we can. And so, um, I think the movie has something of, you know, it says that too, it says about, you know, living, living like a, a younger person, you know? Yeah. I agree with you. My friends don't talk about that. LA has very much an extended state of adolescence. Yeah. And New York as well, but I, I don't think other places do. Yeah. It's interesting, yeah. It is, a, it is a, it's always a, a crazy, like, shock when I go back to my hometown in Pennsylvania yeah, and I sure, yeah. run into my high school friends and there are many children who are, like, yeah. driving cars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah.
Sure. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Nice talking with you. So Keegan told us that uh, when you Skype with him, he was like, "Dude, you, you practically wrote a story about my life." I know, <laughs> and it's yeah, he he you know, he was like, "It's weird because we don't know each other." Yeah. He wrote this movie about my life. So how did you come up with this, with this inspiration? This story was based on this um, this idea. Um, came out of I was performing at the Upper Citizens Brigade Theater in New York City, and. Um, I, I was, my, my wife came one night and she said, it's, inter it's interesting to watch this group on stage because it's um, everyone's sort of equally funny and talented and, and yet off stage, you know, this person's a movie star, this person's an, on SNL, this person lives on an air mattress in Queens. And when she said that, I just thought I could picture a movie of that. Like, it, to me, it felt like sort of a big chill type of comedy set in the world of an improv theater. And I just thought, I have to write this. I feel like no one's written this movie. And I, I really felt compelled to do it. So if you're a comedian, and if you don't end up having your own talk show, or if you don't end up being Saturday Night Live, if you don't end up having your own sitcom, are you, you know, considered a failure then by, by mid-30s? I think in my 20s, that's what I thought. I think, I don't think that's true, but I think that that's what, I, I feel like in my 20s, I had this sense that success meant this one thing, like having a sitcom, having a movie career, having a, a, a talk show, whatever it is. And then in my 30s, I started to have this realization that success doesn't have to be this one thing. It can be anywhere on the spectrum of these, uh, of, uh, you know, uh, uh, any number of things on a certain spectrum. And that that's a pretty freeing realization. You know, like I, I was always chasing like sort of the brass ring and then I realized that that maybe that's not what's right for me. You know what's right for me is making writing these solo shows and making writing these movies and directing these movies and working in a small setting um, with low budgets and making exactly what I want instead of with big budgets making something that I kind of want. I guess, you know, yeah, I have never been What did you think you learned from your last movie? Just making a movie and directing and I actually had a running document on my desktop since the first movie called um, Instructions for Movie Number Two, and, uh, and it's a long document. It's like five pages long. Some of it is just like roll long, shoot, you know, roll early, cut late, you know, more footage. Um, shoot silent scenes, silent versions of what you're shooting so that the coverage might need less dialogue than you need. I think sometimes you can express in a look much more than, than you're expressing with dialogue. You know, there's a lot of lines that are just cut and it's just a look. And in cinema, it's more powerful. It can be more powerful. Um, you know, no assholes on the crew or in the cast. I, I've no, I, I realize how short my life is. Uh, with the first movie and I was like I'm gonna work with all people who are great and so I'm gonna check everybody's references a lot and then I, I wrote down this this thing I read in an Ilya Kazan book where he's about directing where he said 
when he's interviewing actors, and I think this is true of all hires, ask ask the person why they want to do it. What about this the script that interests them, and don't lead them to the answer. You know, I have this habit as an improviser of finishing people's sentences like, "What's interesting to you about this movie?" And they say, "Well, it's a comedy," and I'm like, "And a drama." You know what I mean? Like, and it's uh, it's 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 a big flaw that I have. It's a big foible. Um, so it's just something that I, I you know that those are a few of them but there's a zillion hire you know hire people way early you know months and months in advance hire your cinematographer your production designer take advantage of the fact that it's an independent film so people aren't doing it for money and so you might as well invite people to town early invite actors to town early to rehearse scenes but don't require it um, same thing with you know scouting locations around the city just walk the city find shots with your cinematographer things that you know a studio film you can't quite pull off because they're breaking a thousand different rules and some studio is liable but when you're making an indie film it's like you're all in it you're all no one's in it for the money anyway if you were then you wouldn't be making this movie I was not on The Good Wife I was on Orange I was on Orange is the New Black I was on uh, Girls a lot of yeah a lot of people who look like me are on The Good Wife <laughs> they've definitely been trying to cast clones of me Josh Charles I get that a lot <laughs> <laughs> From which thing? Which thing? Oh, my movie, yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Uh, speaking of that, actually, I want to ask you that character was based on you when you Who, Miles? Yeah, because I've met Peter with We've all met Miles. <laughs> <laughs> Miles is in England, Miles is in Canada, Miles is in Chicago, New York, San Francisco. There's a Miles in every city, and often too many. Too many Miles in every city. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I mean, it's not based on anyone, but it's certainly an archetype in that universe and in a lot of, you know, academia and theater and, and any number of places where there's hierarchical systems, I think. Um, but to, to, to delve into what you were saying, um, I what was the end part of it? Right. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it's... Um, a lot of the movie is about asking a question like what is success and doesn't you know doesn't answer it I think a lot of times drama doesn't answer questions as much as it explores questions and makes you as the audience member think about that question in relation to your own life and I think that if there's anything that the movie achieves it's to make people laugh and, and entertain them and have some sense of 
questioning what success really means in their own life because I feel like we have this cultural understanding of success that it's this one thing and that it's I think a lot of times it's people think it's visibility they mistake visibility and exposure for success but in fact I think success has a lot more to do with affecting people and connecting with people and helping people contributing in some way and I feel like that's often lost in this culture um, I was particularly engaged by the relationship between you between Miles and Liz. Yeah. Um, can you talk a little bit about, I mean, it's a, obviously it's a smaller comparison in terms of the scale. Sure, yeah, of course. But I was very engaged by that. I was just curious. Can you talk a little bit about working with Maggie and yeah. so just how important that relationship was to kind of your character? Yeah, it was very important. I mean, um, it was loosely based on this, a, a friend of mine from my improv group in my early 20s, my friend Chris, who... Um, at a certain point, he and you know it, it's 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 loosely based in the sense that at a certain point, his girlfriend had a kid, uh, was a single mother, and he fell in love with her and fell in love with like that life and was commuting back and forth from New York to Chicago and finally was just like, I just want to go and be a dad and be a husband and and I was like but Chris like we're gonna make it you know what I mean like and he's like I made it you know what I mean like and and there is that sense of like he had much more perspective at that age and that was always interesting to me I haven't that's why I'm here no I'm just kidding Um, no I I I think the of course it, yeah no of course of course no I get why you're asking um, it's like I think that the moment any you know when I was like a, a junior in college and I started working the door at the Washington DC improv and I could watch the comics for free because I was working at the door, I made it. That's how much I love comedy. Like, I love stand-up comedy, and I love comedy. So in some sense, it was like, that. me being like, oh, if I could just watch comedy for free, like these shows that I couldn't afford to go to, like, that's totally making it. And then, like, when I was 24, like, I was on Letterman. I was like, oh, now I've made it. And then, you know, and then when I made my first movie, I'm like, now I've made it. And then there's this sense of, like, along the way of you have these victories and then you have so many challenges that intermittently come at you in the middle of these, you know, in between these things that you can lose perspective and lose sight of that often. I mean, I feel like I feel like I made it now because I've been able to make three one-person shows and two feature films in the last eight years and outside of the system. And, and, and I feel really lucky to have been able to do that. It was pretty wild. I mean, I... I uh, my favorite was this guy stood up at one of the Q&As and he just goes, I'm old, I'm the oldest person in this room. And I, I was, uh, 
I really wanted to hate this movie because I hate young people. <laughs> and I loved it. And I was like, what's the question? He's like, I don't have a question. <laughs> but in some ways, that was really rewarding because I wanted, when I was writing it, I mean, I wrote 12, 13, maybe 15 drafts of this. I wanted to write a human story. I wanted it to appeal to people who were 15 who think maybe that's what my 20s or 30s will be like. I wanted to I wanted to relate to people who are 90 who say, oh, I remember when I was 30. So, Go ahead. Trying to stay calm because you're like my biggest hero. Of all. Oh, thank so, you. Yeah. Well, like I've seen you live twice. I saw the joke store and the uh, my girlfriend's boyfriend tour in Ann Arbor live. And I'll never forget the end where you like the Olympics. Yeah. I will never forget that. And I was wondering my girlfriend's boyfriend. Your storytelling yeah. is just so good. Were there people that inspired you, or where was the point where you were like, I know how to tell a story now? Well, with storytelling, I think that the the gold standard is Richard Pryor. I think everybody who came after Richard Pryor was looking at him going, I'm going to try to do something like that because that's better than anything anyone's ever seen. It's vulnerable. It's hilarious. It can be sad. I mean, I my director of, of the stage show of Sleepwalk With Me is this guy, Seth Barish. And I remember he and I watched uh, Live from the Sunset Strip because of the scene where he talks about being on fire when he's freebasing on cocaine where it's so real ultimately like he doesn't pull any punches he makes you feel what it feels like to to be on fire for god's sakes and the pain of the of the bandages coming off in the hospital and, and that was our our guiding uh model for sleepwalk with me in a lot of ways same with my girlfriend's boyfriend and, and uh and and thank god for jokes is like you know you want to have something that not just is making people laugh but is making people feel something i think is is pretty is pretty awesome I'm not. <laughs> I don't I will botch that so hard. I'm not. I'm not impressionist. Yeah. I would argue it's cinematic. Uh, <laughs> Um, but I will say, I mean, I am not an, I'm not actually an avid reader of novels. I am a massive consumer of films. I love character-based films like Broadcast News and Hannah and Her Sisters, The Big Chill. I feel like it's almost like a bygone era of films that are just about friends and people and and it's not so cut and dry and there's no villains and there's comedy and there's sadness and there's like it's this blend of all these things and so I, I feel like my inspiration in some ways is films from another era oh yeah yeah I was going to just with this one last question he was in the middle of saying um, I just wanted to ask about the improv specifically because uh, I'm an improviser I have a friend who improvises and, and everyone just thinks it's very authentic oh cool uh, both the scenes and the dynamic of the group uh, but I was just curious about the scenes uh, with the scripted and how hard was it to keep them feeling organic and feeling improvised 
Well, I would definitely, I mean, the, the, yeah, the scenes are scripted and um, and then we would do, while we were in those costumes, we would do like 10 minutes of like real improv. And that stuff is kind of sprinkled through the movie. I mean, in some ways I wanted it to feel like the movie once, where you kind of don't even know where it begins and ends. You're just like, you the moment it ends, you're like Googling it. You're like, are, these people are real, right? You know what I mean? Like, they must be real. And that's why in some ways it's such a miracle that Gillian Jacobs is the one who pulled it off. She has the least improv experience among us, and yet she's like in the movie the heart of what it is to be an improviser. And I've had like brilliant improvisers come up to me in Chicago, New York, and LA saying like she really carries the torch for, for the improv community, and she's not even from that background. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, I have to hop, but thanks for doing this, you guys. Congratulations. Nice to meet you guys. Thank you so much. So, there you have it. Mike Birbiglia, Kate Micucci, Keenan Michael Key. Like I said, they're all just so delightful. They were so great to talk to. Uh, I, I, This was such a wonderful experience for me, as I said at the top. I feel very personally connected to this movie. And uh, if you get a chance, just go see it. Just do yourself a favor and check it out. Uh, but that's going to go ahead. That's going to do it for us. If you enjoyed the interview, go back through the archives on Hobo Trash Can. There are plenty of other celebrity interviews that I promise you, you will enjoy. Uh, so go check them out. And remember, kids, don't do drugs or you go to hell before you die.
Hobo Radio is a production of HoboTrashCan.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on iTunes.